You're listening to All The Best. I'm Danny Stewart. This week, we're celebrating a pretty huge milestone, our 500th episode. All The Best was created by founding executive producers Jesse Cox, Eliza Salos, and Bridget Dagg in 2010. Before storytelling podcasts were the phenomenon they are today. I sat down with some All The Best EPs of the past to reflect on the last 500 episodes of stories and how All The Best played an integral part in building the Australian podcast landscape. Coming up, former EPs Jess O'Callaghan, Jordana Caputo, Heidi Pett and Alison Chan on the magic of storytelling, collaboration, community and more. But to start, here's Eliza Salos talking about how it all began. It feels a bit strange talking about it now when there are a lot of podcasts around and a lot of um, storytelling content available. But back in 2010, um, FBI was like FBI is today, but there wasn't very much talk content on the station. Uh, I think at that time we just had Canvas um, and then it was mostly music programming uh, I'd been involved a little bit behind the scenes at FBI and where we were a station for Sydney Music Arts and Culture and it always felt like the arts and culture was not as prominent as music and we were in the middle of this vibrant community and not really talking about the stories of of this community at a time when storytelling radio was really um was was really kind of on the cusp of a boom, I reckon. So you had Radio Lab and This American Life in America and um, a bunch of great shows on Radio National, but not much um, coming from community radio with a focus on young people. Um, so I um, I got together with a bunch of people, including Jesse Cox and Bridget Dagg, and we plotted a show, which when it first went to air, it was in, uh, and this will make anyone that makes radio of this kind kind of... Uh, uh, a bit sick in the stomach. It was a two-hour show when it started, um, but it was very much a kind of magazine-style show and FBI was so great in giving us the space and um, patience to evolve the show into what it what it became later and then, and then when it went to other stations as well, it kind of continued to grow and finesse into what it was. And uh, when we first started, it was a really great opportunity for so many people that had been around the station to really develop a, a way, a, a new way of um, telling stories to our, our community at the station. And it's been so amazing to see it grow and continue and uh, reach 500 shows. It's uh, pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Did you ever think that it would get to 500 episodes? Look, uh, most times I never thought we'd get to that episode that, that week. So that it's made it 500, uh, 500 weeks along is is pretty phenomenal and um, uh, a tribute to the huge community of producers that uh, make all the best happen every week and have done so for quite a while now. Next question. And it's one for everyone. What did you learn about storytelling from your time at All The Best? I can go if you like. (laughs) Um, So for me, it was a huge eye-opening experience. I'd come from 4ZZZ where I'd learnt basically to be a journalist and um, I'd also, you know, worked as a journalist for quite some time and also had worked in a real DIY space at 4ZZZ. So coming in and um, having Jesse and Eliza and Bridget say, 
come along to this pitch meeting. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, but what I realized was the um, really amazing structure that these guys had set up around actually getting a story told. And um, that was really new for me because I guess a lot of the stuff I'd done had been kind of by myself or with a very small group. Um, so coming together and actually sitting in a room and bouncing ideas around as the genesis of the story was actually amazing, very new experience. And I think still to this day, something that people don't get to experience um, outside maybe a writer's room or something like that. So it's a really incredible um, achievement, I think, of all the best that they were able to actually um, have a whole bunch of volunteers come together and openly share their ideas in a space and have those ideas evolve um, into the stories that they became. So that's the, the, you know, probably the number one thing I learned about storytelling was that um, it can be a collaborative process, that other people can work with you to create those um, stories and to make them better than maybe the one that you had in your head at the beginning when you just come with an idea. Something you just said, Geordie, um, like one of, one of my first memories of, of All the Best is um, like the thrill of going to those first pitch meetings before you kind of realised how, how the whole show worked and you were just like desperate to like be part of this really cool thing um, and like the thrill when you would be pitching something or, or, you know, you might just have this like grain of an idea and you'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is any good, but and then something that you said would like trigger something in, in someone else in the room. And they'd be like, oh, that's a, like, that part of it is a great idea. Like, tell me more about that and start asking you questions about it. Like the thrill of, of knowing that you were onto a good story and you were like, there was something interesting in your idea. And then, and then it always was surprising, like where it went by the end of that that chat and by the end of those pitch meetings um it yeah it was like such a a weird fun like I can still kind of feel it in my stomach like oh it's so exciting like um that yeah I don't think I hadn't experienced it before coming to all the best either and it is something that like you kind of um yeah you know that you're onto a good story when someone starts um riffing off it in a, a chat like that definitely and the way it built the community as well I think was really amazing for me. I um, can talk more about that later, but I um, made so many amazing contacts and friends from those pitch meetings and kind of for me as a newbie coming to Sydney, realised that there was a whole community of people here that I, um, you know, I felt like I belonged with, um, you know, and really gave me that, I guess, introduction to community radio in Sydney and the, the community that exists around it as well. Um, I, I will forever, you know, have like such fond and, uh, memories of, you know, my time with all the best, but in answer to your question, all the best taught me that storytelling is really hard <laughs> and I feel like, um, I guess I feel a bit like, I don't want to be like a downer, but I think, you know, the thing about all the best is that where it, it's an open community that's saying, Hey, Anyone can come and tell a story on All the Best, even if you haven't done one before. And actually, this is a show that's particularly for people who've never done it before. And so I think that there's always this tension in the show, like from just like the, the origins of the idea where everyone is coming in like super ambitious because we really, really care about storytelling. 
but then our skills and maybe our resources don't necessarily match that level of ambition. <laughs> and there's always just going to be this like creative tension and struggle, I feel like, with every story in, in different circumstances. Um, but then when it works, it's totally magic. Um, but, yes, I, there, there is that tension there. And um, I don't know, getting, getting to see the moments where it all clicks and where it works is, is a really beautiful thing, which would be kind of my, my, my contribution of what, what I learned. Um, absolutely acknowledging that there are challenges. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, the fact that it is hard makes it, like, all the more meaningful and memorable because you kind of go, oh, yeah, like, I know what it was like when that was a bad idea and it was, like, something that's nice for people to listen to and it's, like, eight minutes. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, like, one of those really valuable things where you actually walk through that journey with everyone from, like, the bad idea or the half-baked idea to, like person who doesn't answer your emails to them like someone who makes a story like I think you just go through all these like emotions and stages of a relationship that make it this weird magical beast that it is yeah it's a wild ride um Heidi do you have anything to add oh I feel like it's been like reasonably well covered I guess you know I still come back to the sort of central questions that I was asked at pitch meetings and that then we asked other people when I'm thinking about stories even now, which is, you know, who who are your characters? Who are the people in this story? And, and the one thing that was always drilled in at all the best pitch meetings throughout the years that I was there is, you know, who is this story about and also how do they change? And that was really drilled in. And I think it's slightly different to the kind of normal narrative structure that you might learn in school of like oh what are the challenges and what's what's the climax and all that kind of stuff and certainly at our time at all the best there was a real emphasis on who are these people and, and what change happens to them so it didn't necessarily have to be this really big plot driven thing it could just be someone's quite personal journey I think too something that um that just made me think of is like that because the show and what Alison was saying about how challenging it is as well, because the show had to come out every week, you, you like stories are salvageable is probably the other thing that I learned. Like, I think that, um, like the combination of like a deadline and that like, uh, hustle <laughs> is means that like, even if, um, yeah, you start on with this good intention, you go down a rabbit hole, even if everything's gone completely wrong, um, yeah, something that I learned is like how salvageable stories are and and that you look back to the narrative and you look back to sort of story structure and and like those questions of how did, how does someone change or um yeah, who are the characters and how have they changed? Like coming back to that to salvage your stories. Like I remember um, yeah, I was working on a story, um, uh, it was my first all the best story actually, and it went terribly wrong. And I remember I was so nervous to call up Jesse. It was this like 24-hour challenge. And I had totally failed to get the tape that I said I'd get. And I called up Jesse Cox to say, I've not got it. <laughs> and like, please let me do all the best again. <laughs> and he was like, well, like, let's talk through what you do have. And we talked through sort of beat by beat what I'd collected, which was totally an opposite thing to what I'd said I had. And, um, and then he said, well, you've got the beginning and you've got the middle to like a totally different story, but you've got the beginning, you've got the middle, and now all we need is an end. And we workshopped some different ends and then we came up with the end to that story. So, yeah, I think it, um, yeah, because of that weekly deadline, like a lot of stories are salvageable <laughs> and um, they can still be really good, like even when they've been sort of scrapped together by going back to sort of the basics. Yeah, totally. 
Another question to move the discussion along. Why do you think a project like All the Best is important? Who wants to jump in? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think like, uh, I think it kind of goes back to what Eliza was saying about the origins of All the Best, which at the time, no one was really doing anything like it, certainly not in community and independent media or not that I knew of. And it was this way of reflecting a part of what started out as just Sydney, but reflecting a part of the city back to itself in a way that other people weren't really doing in audio. Um, And I think that was, you know, that was really important. There were so many little stories about Sydney, which I came across through all the best. You know, when I first moved to Sydney, um, I didn't, have any real connections to the city I you know I was doing a degree that I didn't really love and all the best and I remember listening to stories on all the best about things happening in Sydney that made me feel like I understood the city better and it made it gave me a bit of faith in like oh there is some really cool stuff happening here um and it was a way of tapping into that and that's you know not even to speak of the enormous benefit that it's had on generations of radio storytellers you know there's so many people who've come through all the best and have gone on to do amazing creative projects all over the place I think both those points are really important it's like it's really it's important you know in and of itself like as a show um and yet to Heidi's point like I was always banging on about cool things in Melbourne and then I remember like the first cool thing Heidi had to like brag about Sydney was (laughs) taking me along to the Sydney Writers Festival all the best show (laughs) and I just thought it was like yeah we were just in awe like I remember sitting in that audience and being like oh this is really cool (laughs) and um and that yeah that night like I can still like smell that night like it was just like such a beautiful incredible evening like I can like picture it and like be in that room like it was incredible um the vibe there and yeah performing these stories live on stage and there was nothing like it happening here like it's really hard to understate to overstate that like it it's changed so much and I was thinking back to like trying to think about when because this is the other impact it's had, which is it's grown up alongside this culture of audio making in in Australia and in Sydney and yeah, and around Australia. And it's it has changed so much, even within the two years Heidi and I were doing it <laughs> about as we were eping the show, serial came out. And so and it also like the like iOS updated it's like basically everyone suddenly had an a podcast player on their phone right so when we started all the best to listen to it in an episode of all the best I would download an mp3 onto my like little recorder dictaphone that I'd bought and then listen to it like that's how I was listening to all the best episodes and then you know two years later like while we were there, yeah, serial happens and we had like a listening party of all the best because it was just like, what is this thing? Like we had a, a listening party of all the best producers listening to serial and we were just the last episode and there's like a weird picture with us all around a giant MailChimp toy that someone had, like a life-size, like like you're the MailChimp toy sitting here next to me and we're all like hugging it. Like it's it's weird, but there was nothing like it. And all of a sudden, everyone knew what a podcast was and, you know, you could just listen to them so easily and, like, it really exploded um, within a matter of years and 
And it means that there are all these shows now that you can point to that are like Australian, like really Australian made shows with people who have grown up in the Australian audio industry. They haven't had to go, you know, somewhere and then come back. Like they've been able to stay here and make a career for themselves. And um, I think that's really special and cool. And I actually genuinely don't think it would look like it does now without all the best. Um, Cause it's really like, <laughs> whenever someone says to me like, Oh, you know, Australian audio, like it's really hard to break in. Like everyone seems to know each other. I'm like, no, they all know each other from all the best. Like just go to FBI, like pitch a story. Like, that's how they all know each other. Like it's it's from doing this show that like anyone can do. It's just such a cool thing. Um, so yeah, it's got those two things. It's like in and of itself, it's a really important product. And then what it's done for the audio community here is like really cool. I feel a bit emotional uh, <laughs> hearing you two talk about it like that. It's really um yeah, it's really lovely to hear that and, to, you know, the idea that you could still smell the Sydney Writers' <laughs> Festival night and um, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I think, you know, going back to the question before and, you know, what what did you learn about storytelling, I think, and joining it to the, the next question, I, I think everyone has a story um, and one of the things that we were um, not forced to do but the easiest way to, to pull the show together in that, you know, under-resourced and time-poor scenario is to find the story from, you know, from from the people that are around you and in your community. And I think All the Best had a great, it was a great way to discover things about um, about that community. And the community has obviously grown as it's gone outside of the walls of FBI and, um, and Sydney. But, yeah, I, I think All the Best, it's when you're making it, it can feel like, oh, this is a great opportunity to hone some skills and um, everything. But I think also having, you know, a long time ago transgressed into being, I'm, I'm just a listener now. I, I certainly don't make radio. And it's great that all these people have come from this community, but it's also still a, a great show. And it's a way to uncover parts of parts of the world that we live in that you wouldn't hear otherwise, I think. And that it's continued to do that is really special. I think for me, one of the reasons why All the Best will always have a place in audio making in Australia is because of the way it creates a community of makers around like each episode. And there's something about the safety of that community as well that you really cannot find elsewhere because All the Best is saying to you, come as you are with no experience, no skills, but hey, you like really care about something and you want to tell a story. And it's just as like, like that is enough in order for you to participate and be a part of this community. And through that, you'll interact with a host or you'll interact with a supervising producer. Maybe you'll interact with a writer or like a bedroom musician who'll be a sound designer. And I think that because everyone comes in quite in air quotes raw it means that there's so much room for people to be vulnerable and, and to show, you know, to do something that they don't know how to do and be quite open about that, but also to grow as well. And I think that for me as an EP, like being able to witness people um, yeah, go from not knowing anything to knowing something and like making mistakes and like finding like challenges along the way, like being able to learn that and figure that out in the safety of being around other people is like immensely useful and meaningful and 
you know, means that All the Best has really shaped how I think about what community means both in both, both in terms of a personal but also a professional way as well. That was Alison Chan speaking to All the Best's founding objective to create a safe environment for emerging producers to learn the art of audio storytelling. If you'd like to be part of the show, we'd love to work with you on your story. Head to allthebestradio.com forward slash pitch for more info. And if you're in Sydney, you can come along to our upcoming pitch workshop on June 14. Head to facebook.com forward slash allthebestradio. You're listening to All the Best on FBI 94.5. I'm Danny Stewart. A lot of podcasts exist around a core team of people that see the show through its lifetime, but All the Best has changed hands many times. This week, for our 500th episode, I sat down with some executive producers from the show's past. Here's Jordana Caputo talking about how All the Best was set up to flow through many generations of emerging producers, each having a crack at running the show before passing on the baton. Everyone has sort of spent their time on the show um, and sort of fostered someone else to come and fill in the fill in the gaps and then step up into that EP or producer role, which has been really a beautiful kind of thing about this program that it's been able to be handed on and passed on and that we've got to 500 episodes. I feel like that means that we all have ownership over it as part of the ATB community, like we're all still, you know, part of the family in some ways and it just kind of keeps going. Yeah, it's pretty cool because like a lot of podcasts and a lot of radio shows kind of grow up around like, yeah, some sort of you know, savant of some sort or, yeah. And I think like Eliza, you guys like set such a good tone in those first few years and, um, you know, like handing over to Georgia and, and yeah, Michaela and Michael. And I think it, yeah, it has been able to survive like quite in quite a similar form. I mean, it's not two hours long anymore, but I think the, you know, the spirit of it, I think you listen to it now and like the spirit of it is really similar to those original episodes and the purpose of it is really similar and it's pretty cool that you can have something go for 500 episodes and yeah, last that way. It feels kind of mind blowing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe just something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking is like the fact that all the best like belongs to a community and that community doesn't even necessarily know each other and that's actually fine like because it's something that's gone on for so long and so there's something that like that I think that that is part of like the magic of it that um you know you don't have to be like brand loyal to like a network or a particular individual um yeah I think that the fact that a group of people uh, own the show and have very quirky and surprising links to each other is part of the magic of and why I think it should still exist past 500. CBF, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely for me it's this training ground element. Obviously I feel really strongly about community media being an amazing training ground for um, you know, people in the audio community and the audio like professional community in Australia 
and um, like you've all kind of said, they've all lots in lots of ways they've had contact with all the best. And I really want to see that continue. I think um, there's so few opportunities to do exactly what we've been talking about and come together as volunteers and do that um you know, brainstorming and and it gets really personal. I mean, I've met some of my best friends of all time um, that I absolutely love in Sydney through All the Best and they are support for me personally, but they're also career support for me. Um, you know, they're in the audio community, the professional audio community now, and it's have, had a lifelong impact on me and I'd hope it'd have a lifelong impact on everybody who's come through and, and put a story together for it as well because um, it's been a really, really beautiful experience, beautiful learning experience. And I am constantly, constantly flying the flag and saying, you know, if you want to do anything in audio um, in Australia, go and spend some time at All The Best, get in touch with those guys and, and be part of it in that way because um, it'll put you in a really good position to, to do more of it in your life. I think for me, going back to when we started the show, it was such an exciting couple of months kind of working out what this thing would be and how we would pull it together and um, the passion that went into it from the three of us as EPs but also the whole community and this community that kind of, came out of nowhere, there wasn't anything like it at FBI before then, uh, was really enough to sustain the show and, and push it forward into, you know, into live events and different kind of um, little, you know, audio challenges we would set for ourselves and that it's grown into what it is now is I think a testament to the amount of passion that still surrounds it just from different people. And I think, it's a really beautiful thing to be a part of and it's also a really beautiful thing to listen to, to kind of uh, to, to be a listener of and to get to see those um, those worlds kind of develop and unfold in, in a kind of audio sense. So I think, um, yeah, for me, it, being in back in this studio, it feels um, really special, like a great reminder of that passion um, for, for radio and for story, storytelling. Uh, and to see that it's gone through different generations of storytellers and created this amazing community. And I would love to see a kind of alumnus of um, All the Best because I think you'd see some very familiar names in there and also a lot of who keeps radio kind of going in Australia, which is really, um, really lovely. Um, and I guess, like, uh, something else I wanted to add was, like, um, the thing that All The Best taught me is that it like the All The Best experience is actually about everything that happens before the show goes to air or is published. And so the actual broadcast or the publishing, like, yes, the deadline is stressful, but actually like for the experience of the contributor, it's like 99.9% .9 of the learning happens before that. And I think that's almost like flipping the model of media making and storytelling story and, and content making because so often it's like the sort of the starting point is thought like the, the publication or the publishing is thought of as the starting point. Whereas like for me as someone who's looking at the value of all the best, like that's really just the cherry on the top. Like I care more about however many weeks or months that that person spent working on the story like that matters so much more to me than just like the the kind of perhaps face value of those minutes that you may hear as a listener 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, Alison. Like, I think that's the that's the whole, you know, kind of almost like tragedy is that when people are listening to it, they don't know like the huge, huge efforts that have gone in behind the scenes because what goes to air is so beautiful and polished and, um, you know, just just a short snippet of all of the work that went into it. Um, so, yeah, it's that it's that like really kind of, uh, you know, you're like, darn, I wish everyone knew just how much work went into this three-minute story. <laughs> I still think all of, all the time about um, it, it used to become kind of apparent on a Tuesday if your story, if your episode was going to fall over or not be possible to get to air by the Saturday. It was kind of like you'd maybe hold out hope and then on Tuesday you'd be like, no, for you know for sure if you know you'd have that feeling in your gut like it's gonna make it or it's not gonna make it and I used to kind of love those weeks like it was painful at the time but (laughs) like looking back now some of my favorite episodes were the episodes that we that we like all came together to do like between a Wednesday and a Friday night um and I still like really channel I try and channel that energy sometimes like I'm working with a really young keen team who are really into journalism at the moment and I'm now like 10 years in and a bit jaded and whenever I have to like match their energy in my head I'm like all right it's like all the best it's a Wednesday night like sometimes I'll go eat Chinese food because that's what I used to eat like if we didn't have a show on a Wednesday night and like it helps like it's a really like yeah, it was a, it was a real vibe. Like it was a real, like, let's get this work done. Like, what's the story? Like sometimes it'd be something that made us really angry in the news that week. Like there was one we did about where like women couldn't walk home (laughs) safely at night. There was like a murder in Melbourne and we pulled together that episode, like, you know, really quickly. There was one on whistleblowing laws were changing. We were like, let's do an episode on that. And, you know, just like sent people out to do stories with really quick turnarounds, but in like collaborating in a really big way. So like lots of people doing little bits of something to make a full episode. And yeah, I'll, I'll draw on that energy all the time now, years later, because it was just like, yeah, it was pure fun, but also like really good collaboration, I think. I think the episode that you referred to before your first episode, that was 100% what that was. We didn't have a show. (laughs) And I was like, let's just do repeats. And Jesse was like, no, no, we're just going to do a show in 24 hours. We're going to get to air. Like, I think that was, I can't remember, you know, it was a couple of days before, which um, is absolutely nuts. But the energy that Jesse brought to that show was just something, I, I think if we could somehow capture that, bottle it, it would be enough to sustain, you know, all of Australia's energy for, you know, a year. It was amazing to see him um, pull it all together. And I think, you know, everyone kind of, when when it was necessary, everyone could just kind of pull out all stops and make it work. And um, you don't know that when you're listening to the show and that's kind of good, but I guess as Jordy was saying, I wish everyone could know what went into the show week to week. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a beautiful energy. I think that's um, a really important thing that Eliza mentions there is the, the energy that Jesse brought to the program as well. And I don't think we could do a 500 episode without mentioning just how important his energy was and um, the passion and the vision that he brought as well and how that's been sustained. And I feel like he's been carried with us through the whole, you know, 
500 episodes because of that um, amazing passion that <laughs> he was able to kind of instill in me for sure. You know, I thought I kind of knew radio until I came along to all the best and was like, okay, this is totally different to anything I've done before. And I'm really, really excited. And I'm feeding off the absolute, like, um, I don't know, the know-how, but also they're just like, we can do anything. Let's just do it attitude that um Jesse and the rest of the team brought to it at that time it was really really powerful yeah he always even even you know as a newbie and I remember coming in and making my first stories but even just you know stuff that is objectively kind of boring he spent so long on the phone with me when I was trying to decide what recorder to buy when I decided to you know get serious about radio and get my own kit and I look back on that now and I just wonder how on earth he managed to like make everyone feel that he had time for that well, you know, while also putting out this show every week, which, as we all know, is hard. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Jess, you mentioned a couple of episodes that, like, came to mind as, like, the ones that you think about when you're reflecting on All the Best. Does anyone else have particular stories or episodes that um, really stand out in your mind when you think about your time on the show? I remember a couple which now feel like ancient history because they were so long ago, but um, uh, Gina McEwen did an episode which was all focused on the block and ended up winning a Walkley for her work on that show, which was really, it was, we had recently, I think it was, we recently adopted that supervising producer structure and it was one of the shows that she'd taken on board and she did an incredible job of working with different contributors and, and pulling um, that show together. I also remember we, for one supporter drive, um, we did the story of FBI, which was uh, Jesse and I kind of interviewed all the people that had been around when FBI started. And it was one of those kind of manic energy shows where we were piecing it all together. And if it had been for any other reason, we would have just held off and done it a week or two later, but we had to get it on for supporter drive. So of course, Jesse and I pulled an all-nighter. We took it in turns to have naps under the producer's desk in the um, the production suite over there, and it um, it came together. And I think it was, you know, I I, I would enjoy to re-listen to it because I think it um, told an important story and um, was a, it, it was definitely a chaotic energy that went into making that show. Um, and then as well, the the live shows were really amazing and they kind of looked at a different um, component of storytelling, looking at the community of storytellers uh, in, in a more traditional sense and piecing them together as live work. So we had the Sydney Writers Festival shows. We did a couple at the Opera House for Radio with Pictures, um, which was collaborating with comic artists to um, have a kind of visual component too. And broadcast that uh, visual component on digital radio and I don't know they're all just weird little ideas that maybe wouldn't have worked if um, there had been someone overseeing it and and thinking through the practical reality but you know you can make anything happen when you um, are stubborn enough and and have the um, energy of being in your early 20s I reckon <laughs> so uh, yeah there were those those shows which um, yeah they all stand out um, for me. Um, I think, yeah, one of, I mean, it's the one that Jess mentioned as well, but one of my fondest memories of the show is the episode that we made, um, called a walk in the park after, um, Marsha Vukutic was killed in Melbourne. And there was this massive, massive, like outpouring of grief and anger among women all over Australia. And 
to be able to harness that so you know we we turned that episode around so quickly but it felt so important to do that and we had you know women contributing from all over the place and it was an all women episode yeah again it was you know it's something that we pulled together so quickly but with so much passion which as Eliza said I think there's there's certain things that you can do when you're like 24 that I look back on now the number of all-nighters that we pulled and the number of ideas that we just decided to scramble together and then made work you know looking back on with a few more years of experience I would now say like no no you would need at least two weeks to do that and yeah more than two weeks <laughs> and I yeah the I've been th- there's an episode that Heidi did um with Kate Montague and Jess Binneth that I've been thinking about a lot lately because it was called That Girl so it was about abortion access to abortion and sort of like the emotions that you go through when you have an abortion and um, it, it's a real standout to me. Um, and yeah, I've been thinking about it heaps because of the news lately. And, um, yeah, I think it's like solid journalism and really cool. One of those episodes that, yeah, you can listen to and it really holds up. I think. Cool. Al- has Alison given Sorry, her? Alison, did you give episodes? Um, okay. So, um, a story that comes to mind is the contributor's name, um, is Sarath Chandra. So this was one of Sarath's earliest stories with us. He made a number of stories with All the Best. And this was a story about him going to see a bibliotherapist. Um, and so the idea was like, hey, I'm not really reading that much. Maybe if I get someone to literally prescribe me a book that would fit my sort of like needs, um, that may get me into reading. And so very diligently he went off and found a bibliotherapist and had a session and recorded it and had like, you know, like two mics and stuff. Um, But then the microphone that was for the guests was not plugged in properly. (laughs) And so the the good audio was just Surratt's questions <laughs> and then the unusable audio was from the bibliotherapist. And so I feel like most of us would just be like, well, that was a disaster. This is like not salvageable. But lucky for Surratt, his supervising producer was Mike Williams. Now, Mike Williams was like, this is definitely salvageable. And his fix... <laughs> was to have someone act as the bibliotherapist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And pretend to give advice. And and during the story, it's unveiled. Like, like, this is someone who's acting as the bibliotherapist and that, um, you know, we didn't actually have the tape. But I feel like it's an example of a situation where, like, even I myself personally probably would have been like, I have to abandon this. But Mike was like, no, keep on going. This is a narrative twist. <laughs> Get someone in acting. <laughs> that is like, like I think for me that it has all these elements of like, it's about the DIY nature of, of all of us. It's also about the sort of just the sheer creativity and problem solving and also the desperation that comes with having to just like, make something and I think it's a much better story for the record than what it would have been had he had clean recording to start off with 
I think that's that's so lovely. And it's also, you know, the idea that when you get constraints, you push to be more creative. And there are so many stories that just would not exist without this context of storytelling. And I think that that's one of going back to the earlier question of what, you know, what's what's um, good about all the best or what's what's important about it. And I think you just, you get things you wouldn't get in any other context, which is, it's really nice to hear that story. <laughs> the thing that, to picture is Mike telling an emerging producer that it's so fine <laughs> to pretend <laughs> that, and have someone acting as your <laughs> interviewer, interviewee. Like, <laughs> that that is ethically fine. <laughs> Thank you so much to Eliza Salo, Stradana Caputo, Jess O'Callaghan, Heidi Pett and Alison Chan for taking the time to reflect on all the best last 500 episodes. We couldn't have reached 500 shows without all the producers, writers and sound designers who have contributed over the years. A huge thank you to everyone who has been part of the last 500 episodes of All the Best. This show wouldn't exist without our amazing community. Hi, this is Maddie McQueen, former host of All the Best. This show is so special for so many reasons. Um, I think my favorite thing about it is the community. I've met some of the people I love the most in this world through this show. And I keep meeting people who made a story years ago or started more recently. And every time I meet a new All the Best person, we're just instant friends it's inevitable. We're like all in this together forever. You can't really get out. It's like a little bit like a cult, but it's a cult that I'm really happy to be a part of. I'm really glad we're still spreading the love of audio storytelling 500 episodes in. My name is Wayne. I joined All The Best in 2020, started as a contributor. During this time, I produced several stories from community issues to profiles about artists during lockdowns. I think All the Best is very important for Australia because it gives a platform for young people like us to explore our lives through storytelling. I feel very lucky that I'm able to join All the Best during this time and able to practice and equip myself with skills that I need in the future workforce. What I think is so unique and special about All the Best is how open they are to new and wacky ideas. I could probably go to them with an idea about anthropomorphic flying watermelons and they'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's get started on Tuesday. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll pair you with a producer. This is Mel, the editorial manager. I started out with All the Best two years ago. And it has been a challenge keeping the storytelling going during the pandemic. It's hard for people to give their time and be creative when there's a lot of other stresses. And we've had to make a lot of stories remotely, over video calls and recorded with mobile phones. And yet, the tenacity and passion of contributors and our editorial team has been truly amazing. The thing I love most about All the Best is the community, how happy it makes people to see their stories come to life and how willing our volunteers are to give up their time to make that happen. I'm truly honoured to be part of this team as we publish our 500th episode. I'm Sasha Rosen, and I joined All the Best maybe a year after it first got going, maybe a little longer, 
back then there was nothing like this show. Not in Australia. All the Best taught me how to make radio, it taught me how to make narrative radio. But I think one of the biggest successes of the show itself is that now you can make radio like that all over Australia. You can make it on podcasts, you can make it on big networks like the ABC. It's, it's a different world. And although All the Best is still out there training people, it's now part of the world that it's helped to create, which is a world where this show is not the only show, where this show is not the only place you can learn to make radio like this, even though it's still a great place to learn it. And I think that's a pretty amazing legacy. Anyway. I mean, I just got involved because it was fun. But it's a good legacy. All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonarung lands and 8CCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. The All the Best editorial manager is Mel Chun. Our social media producers are Emma Pham and Anusha Rana and Lydia Yosefova is our community and events coordinator. Shiningberg composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at cbf.org.au. You can listen back to our full archive of 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.